Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Hello, Firecrackers, and welcome to a new episode of The Honest Uproar. My guest today is Dr. Hannah Short. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I think it's a really important conversation that you're having with with these podcast episodes, and I was really happy to come across you, so thank you. Awesome. So, Dr. Hannah, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Just introduce yourself, whatever you want to tell us. Hi. So, yeah, I'm Hannah. I'm 41, and um, I live in the UK. And I'm a doctor. I trained as a GP or a family doctor, but I specialize in female hormonal health, um, especially menopause and premenstrual dysphoric disorder and and premenstrual syndrome in general. Um, I kind of was led into that kind of special interest after I had surgical menopause at the age of 35. So I had hysterectomy and I had my ovaries removed. Um, and that was a result of um, endometriosis, which had caused me a lot of pain since my teenage years and also um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is a severe form of of PMS. Um, And I don't have any children. I'd always probably been quite ambivalent about having kids. Um, But then I think my health kind of had had an impact on that in my 20s and stuff anyway. I probably assumed I would have children at some point, but I was so, I suppose, consumed by health concerns in my 20s and and early 30s because of the pain and, and other symptoms I was experiencing. It wasn't really on my radar. and it, but it was something that I kept being asked about when in the lead up to my surgery. And um, I, I suppose some of the questions I was asked, some of the comments that were made to me kind of really shocked me. Um, I mean, I can talk about those in more detail in a bit, but but um, essentially I felt I was kind of forced into this position to, you know, to have my the surgery I had because I needed to for my physical and my mental health, really. Um, and yet people were questioning me about the whole children thing. Yeah, so I'm, I am. I've considered myself, I suppose, child-free by circumstance. I'm not sure that I would have um, had children, even if I was able to. Um, but obviously, I was kind of forced there because of what happens to me in a way. Um, but it really has opened my eyes into the way um, society views women without children, and some of it's been quite shocking. And I think it's kind of made me probably more compassionate to women in general, whether those who have children, those who don't have children, and those who wanted to and can't, and those who choose to be child-free by choice. So yeah, it's it's really good to kind of have the chance to talk about it, I think, because it isn't talked about enough, um, especially not the positive aspects of being child-free, and about the fact that even if you can find yourself in a situation where you are child-free by circumstance, that it can still become something that's really positive. Absolutely. Well, everything you just told us is, I mean, everything just, it's very interesting. I have so many questions, but let's start with um, talking a little bit about the societal pressure and how, what it is that you found out that shocked you at the, at the time where you, when you had to do your surgery that you didn't maybe even feel or hadn't realized before regarding how women are viewed in, in the UK specifically and, and, and about motherhood. Uh, I mean, I suppose I, I had an inkling. I think it's a, a general assumption, isn't it? It seems to be, and as well in a lot of societies, and still here, that most people will end up having kids. Um, and so, when people before my surgery, or before that was even on the horizon, um, and I met my husband when I was like twenty-six, um, they, you know, they would they would say things to me like, 
oh well when you guys have kids and I just like yeah well we might not and people go yeah you'll change your mind all of that kind of stuff and then when actually it came to crunch time and I had to make this decision about surgery I mean I wasn't talking about that with a lot of people it was probably a select group of friends at that kind of at that point um the questions kind of changed. you know people were less kind of oh yeah well you know don't worry about it because they they knew they couldn't say that because this was going to be a definitive decision um the, the question changed so some people would be like saying are you sure this is what you want without really trying to re- kind of think about what I actually needed but it, it was certain comments that were made like oh well I think women without children um are empty that was one thing that came from a friend and I was just and that really took me back and I t- I had to kind of ask her what she meant um and it turned out in her case and she was a bit younger than me and I I don't know if her therapy I'm sure her feelings would have changed now but you know, as she was talking about one particular person she used to work with who she considered empty, whatever she meant by that. And I was like, well, you can't generalize. But that was that, that comment's always kind of stuck with me. I think other people were saying things to me, are you sure you should be having the surgery? What about, you know, your husband might, might want children. So that was the, that was like, well, shouldn't it be about my health? And um, the other thing is like, well, I think it's quite selfish not to have kids. Um, and also the other one, oh, but, you, but you and your husband would be such good parents. And I mean, that wasn't a negative thing, but it made me, I don't know, it just made me feel uncomfortable about the whole decision, which wasn't an easy decision um, for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I anticipated quite a few questions, but it, it was the fact that people didn't seem to accept it was quite a difficult decision in itself, not necessarily just because of the children issue. Um, it, it was just generally quite a hard decision. And I, it felt like I was, I don't know, the, the questions were piling on more pressure and I found myself quite quite confused and questioning a lot of stuff, even though I knew in my mind what I wanted and needed to do. And I guess I was just surprised at what the perceived negativity really about, about that decision, even though it should have been a positive decision for my health um, and which ultimately has been a positive decision for my health. And it just, it just, yeah, I suppose it just shocked me because I was thinking, is, is that what we're here for? Are, are we just here to reproduce <laughs> is that how we're, we're viewed um I guess it yeah it was several different things really okay so wow we get said a lot we get I mean we as in child free by choice people who have decided not because we have any health issues or we just mm-hmm. want, don't, want, don't want to have kids we we get said a lot of things you know we're selfish and all that but you're telling me this is something, of course, a decision that you had to make because of your health. You were having a very bad time with what was happening with your uterus. And and then people knowingly, you know, they know that you are going through something that is not easy. And then you're making this decision, which I'm sure wasn't easy as well. And they're still piling on those, you know, those kind of comments. I think yeah. it's really, I mean, that shocks me, honestly, because... That's when we see how uh, embedded it is on society that, you know, having a baby is more important than anything else, including your, basically. Yeah, no, I think that's what shocked me the most. I mean, it wasn't everybody. Um, I mean, obviously, there were quite a few people like, well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to have, you know, have major surgery and, you know, be put into a premature surgical menopause. That's going to be really difficult. And I know you might feel a bit sad or, I mean, they didn't necessarily know, but I think, you know, they were, they were kind of trying to be supportive and that's kind of what I'd hoped for or, you know, expected, I suppose. But it it was that it wasn't just one person. It, it was quite a number of people who were like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And these are people who'd seen me 
struggling like I um I actually lost a job before I went to medical school because I was in so much pain on a monthly basis with the endometriosis um I wasn't a reliable employee um they I missed out on social occasions I I I just I felt unwell most of the time and in pain most of the time to be honest and a lot of these people saying these things to me knew that and I think that's what what kind of shocked me because it's like but but they're you know saying that surely you need to consider that the whole children issue and maybe maybe it was genuine concern for what would I feel if I'd missed out and didn't have kids, you know. But I, they, I'd never said to them I desperately wanted children because I didn't. Um, and I suppose the whole thing thought, gosh, wow, if I if I just really had said, look, no, we're really we are not having kids. Me and Matt, we're not going to have children. And um, what would the reception be if that's what it had been when I was kind of, you know, had to make that decision probably sooner than I otherwise would have had to do, you know? I think that's when it kind of really shocked me, but. Yeah, it just shows how, like you say, how embedded the views are and everything else. Yeah, no, that's, uh, wow. And and now you work with women who are going through similar situations, is that correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I mean, I work with with um, a, whole, a wide spectrum of, of girls and women. So premature ovarian insufficiency, which is sometimes known as premature menopause, affects, um, in the UK, at least one in 100 women below the age of 40. Um it's not technically the same as premature menopause, um, but it's where the ovaries stop functioning as they should do. And you get, most women and girls in that situation are not going to be able to conceive. You do get a resurgence of ovarian activity and then that can then you can conceive. So you could have a diagnosis. It doesn't mean you're never going to conceive, but it's pretty rare. But that can affect anybody from teenage girls upwards. Um, so I work with these women, but I also work with um, um, women who've had, like me, have had had surgery to remove their ovaries for a variety of reasons, had cancer treatment and infertile as a result, and women who are going through a natural menopause. And the whole children thing kind of runs throughout that. Um, I mean, it's relevant, always relevant for me to ask about that because I'm interested in, in people's response to hormonal change. And obviously, there's a big hormonal change if you have conceived or not. But it, it does open up some interesting conversations and sometimes some difficult conversations, I think, because Ask, asking people if they have kids, um, you, you can kind of gauge quite quickly if it was a, a positive choice in their eyes, or if if it's you know something that was kind of out of their hands. And um, you know, and I have had women say to me that they they really struggle um, with, with the way society views women who don't have kids, and that's both from women who did want children were unable to have them, and women who are quite happy with the fact they haven't got kids. Um, and the, the people who are child-free, even if it is by circumstance, are saying things like, well, I'm quite happy. I don't know why people are saying they're sorry for me and there can be patronising or, you know, some of the comments like you don't know what love is until you've had your own child. And I've heard mm. that before as well. And yeah. you can't be a caring person. And <laughs> I mean, it can be quite insulting, I think, quite a lot of the language. Right? And also it can be a very isolating place. Um not having kids, even if that's your choice in a positive way. And I, I know I was kind of, not I don't say forced, no one forced me into the position, but I made that decision to go through with surgery. Uh, but I viewed it as a positive decision for my health. You know, I, I, I am generally kind of ha- happy, I think, with the fact that I don't have kids. But I do have moments where I doubt myself about that. And I think I've learned over the last few years, that's more that I'm unhappy with the way society reviews those of us who are child-free rather than me being desperate for a child. Um, and I, do, I don't know if that's something you've experienced, but it's, it's, it's certainly something I, I've seen um, and, and kind of felt um, quite acutely, really, in the last six years. You know, I think it's, it's 
in my case, when I made the decision to become child-free, I felt liberated because mm-hmm. the societal pressure was just too great. It was too, too, too big. And I didn't know I had a choice. And this is something that if you ask most child-free women, child-free by choice, most of us will tell you we did not know we had a choice. And that's crazy, right? It sounds mm-hmm. like, what do you mean you didn't know you had a choice? What do you mean? But the pressure is so, you know, it's, it's so big, especially in very traditional societies and cultures. In my case, there's only one occasion in which after I made the decision and I started being vocal about it, and I, I, I have a very happy life. I love my life without kids. Mm. But there's only been one occasion uh, in which a part of me just felt a little bit bad. But it wasn't because of me. I was watching one of these YouTube videos, you know, they put around in social media or whatever. And it was like a a compilation of videos when um, the couples tell their parents they're pregnant. So Mm. the grandparents, are you going to be a grandpa or a grandma or whatever? Mm. And they show the reactions of the grandparents. And I saw this and I could not stop thinking about my own parents. They're not grandparents. They're not going to be grandparents on my side. My sister might have children, but she hasn't. She doesn't have any uh, at the moment. So it just made me feel bad for them, you know, from, from because yeah. they're the amazing grandparents. But at the same time, after a little bit, I was like, but it's not their life in the end. I mean, I love my parents, but it's not them who are going to take care of this child. They're not going to be with this child uh, until three in the morning because the child's sick. They're not going to have to wake up, you know, several times in the night. They're not going to have to be worried 100% of the time. What's this child doing? What is it, you know? So in the end, it's my choice because it's my life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, in my, I mean, to be fair, my, my family have been usually supportive, but I agree. I, I have, you know, I, I have felt sad sometimes for for my parents um, and for my um my husband's mum because she was, she's always been very keen to be a grandmother and she doesn't have any grandchildren at the moment um although although my sister-in-law is just about to give birth in a month so um you know fingers crossed all goes well with that and then we don't that takes that pressure off a little bit although to be honest once my mother-in-law knew that I needed surgery for health reasons she because she did used to say when am I going to have grandchildren Uh, she she never really said that after that because I mean she understood that it wasn't appropriate (laughs) I think but uh yeah I don't feel sad about it all the time or anything like that. I, I think it's just, it's something that hit me a few years after the surgery, really, because initially I was just so relieved I, I'd got through the surgery. Um, it was just the fact that it was, it, yeah, I suppose it's the conversations I've had in the years about, you know, how much, you know, do you regret not having kids or do you think you should have frozen your eggs? And I suppose I just get frustrated, really, with those kind of conversations. I mean, I suppose they're, they're tailing off a little bit now. And I think the thing I found hardest is being slightly isolated, um, especially in in the group of um, around the group of doctors that I trained with, because they were all a little bit younger than me. Um, a, lo- a lot of them were having kids, and they used to do loads of stuff together, like go take the kids to the park. But I was never invited. I mean, it probably isn't my idea of fun spending the day in the park with a load of toddlers. <laughs> but it's yeah. almost like, <laughs> it's like the fact that you're almost invisible. Um, I think that's that. That's what I that that's what I've struggled with. But I mean, essentially, I, I am I am very happy with my life. I just feel increasingly strongly about about the way women are viewed if they don't or can't have kids. I suppose, um, and that's and yeah. So that's why it's been really liberating to kind of read your, you know, sorry, listen to your podcast. 
Oh, thank you so much. That's the whole idea because I think that's one of the things that I felt as well as soon as I made the decision. So me, in my specific case, coming from such a traditional society and culture and everything, like all my friends have kids, most of them. And I remember when I first knew and I understood that I was child-free and I wanted to embrace that lifestyle, I did feel alone. I felt very alone because everyone else around me was either having children or asking me, when is it that you're going to have kids? And, And I didn't feel understood because many people didn't, they didn't actually take the time to understand, you know, mm-hmm. for them, I was just being weird. You know, it's one of your weird yeah. things again, Isabel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but then I, I had surgery done. I actually had my tubes uh, tied by, you know, voluntary uh, choice, yeah. not wanting to ever bear children. And that's when things got a lot, like a lot more real for people around me. And I've found Okay, so still people around me a little bit like, okay, well, she made this choice and, you know, they still don't get it, uh, to be honest. Like my friends and my family, like maybe one or two friends understand, but that's it. Um, mm-hmm. For me, finding like uh, other childhood people online and through the podcast and just putting our word out there, that has actually made me realize there's a lot of us out there. A lot yeah. of us. And we all have, uh, you know, a different story, different backgrounds. And it's always interesting to hear what everyone has to say. Yeah, definitely. I think there are more of us than you realize. I think, again, because it's not one of these things that's until recently hasn't been talked about that much. Um, and the fact it can be a positive thing and it's not it's not a necessarily an infertility thing why people don't have children. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it is. It, it, it is kind of liberating and nice to know you're not alone, and you can make it for positive reasons. And I think people are making it for more and more positive reasons as well, and and feeling a bit more empowered to do so. Um, especially in certain societies, I think in in particular cultures, it's harder for women. And I, I suppose I feel privileged, really, in that that's never been an issue for me. Oh, yeah, it's still embedded in society, but it's it's not like I've been told I'm going to bring shame on the family for not having kids. And I have met women who've been told that. So yeah, yeah, generally I feel it it is, it is kind of really liberating and there are, like I say, far more of us than you realize, but until you start speaking and reaching out, you just, you kind of assume you're pretty alone. Um, I mean, I guess in my work, I'm privileged as well in that I, I obviously have, you know, kind of quite intimate conversations with with patients and they're quite vulnerable and they and we need to talk about this stuff to some degree and so I am aware and I'm probably aware of a lot more stuff than the average person would be because just as the doctor patient relationship Mm -hmm. um people tend to be more honest and they they will often say stuff to doctors that they won't say sometimes to their closest friends or even their partner so yeah that gives me an insight as well so You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. Can we talk a little bit about your patients, of course, without naming names uh, in general? Just in general, I would like, I'm very interested to know what it is that uh, these women who come to you because they're having these health issues tell you about the fact that they might not ever become mothers, well, biological mothers, at least. Um, so, well, the vast majority of women are are, are probably kind of the, the old, you know, in, in terms of the not, not old, obviously, but like over 45, so heading towards natural menopause. So some of them will have had kids. 
um, and others have just never had kids. I've had a couple who, who maybe would thought they might have children, um, but they, they say, you know, life didn't work out that way. But then they are now saying that they're quite happy with that decision in, in terms of they look around and they, they see actually some of the difficulties some of their friends who have kids, you know, get into and the stresses and stuff. And they could, they feel quite liberated, especially as they're probably getting to a point of their career and their life where stuff's going quite well. And they've actually got a bit more time and freedom for themselves. And that they, they can be quite positive. I mean, we, to be fair, we don't get a lot of time to talk about it because there's always so much other stuff to go through. I mean, I've had a couple of women who are quite similar to myself, um, having had surgery or medical treatment in their 30s um, or early 40s. And then they knew that if they, if they did, you know, they could maybe delay that, but that would have an impact on their health. So it was almost like a, you know, they had a decision that they had to make there. And then they knew that that was going to stop any chance of them having a kid. Um, and I think they've had a similar experience to me um, in that they are, they are quite, they were quite happy with the decision, although it maybe was made for difficult reasons. And they've been surprised at how people are around them. And some women have told me that they felt quite isolated um, because they don't fit into that fertility camp, infertility, you know, so there are so many support groups for women, um, you know, have, have had miscarriages or, um, you know, fertility, you know, infertility groups and things, which obviously are much needed. But they don't feel like they fit in there because they that, that's not the route they want to go down. Um, and I think they, those women have felt quite alone. Um, and I think there's then there's the young, much younger women, I suppose, in their 20s um, who have like a diagnosis of POI, who in some ways they might find it easier because they're not so surrounded by, you know, women with lots of kids as they would be maybe in their 30s. But I think some of them do do feel quite anxious about the future, and I and I always try to say to them, you know, there are there's a group of there's a group of child free women out there. It's just it's just a different way of living. It's not necessarily better or worse. It depends on your viewpoint. But it, it, you can just have you can have an amazingly full life without kids. Um, I think that's what we kind of need to show the world. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's exactly what we need to show the world because the, the thing that's really embedded in every single culture and this applies across the globe is that women have to you know have children to sort of like be fulfilled or to be real women quote unquote mm-hmm. real women mm-hmm. so that's that's yeah. that's how we've been viewed throughout history forever you know i know <laughs> so it's, it's, it's hard you know a bit, but people I mean women are often reduced to their reproductive parts and you just think I mean I saw something on Twitter recently and I think it was some it was a woman saying you know you, she said something like God gave us uh, ovaries and the uterus are for a re- and breast for a reason and you know says that's what makes us a woman and so uh, people replied and, and I just thought gosh you know okay so then I guess I'm only half a woman then. I mean, thankfully, I still, you know, I've, I'm lucky I've got my own breasts, but I don't have a uterus and I don't have my ovaries. And I've got friends, um, you know, who, um, who have had breast cancer or they might have the BRCA mutation. So they're at an increased risk of, you know, breast or, or, or ovarian cancer and have had prophylactic surgery to remove their ovaries and to remove their breasts. And what does it, what are we saying to these women that you're not, you're not a woman enough? I, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I actually, I feel more myself after the surgery. I mean, the, the whole, the surgical menopause is a whole different ballgame because that's not been easy because of the side effects of, you know, and issues in terms of hormones. But 
um, and to be honest, it was liberating for me not to have to worry about the kids thing anymore because should I, shouldn't I? I was pretty sure I didn't, but it just, it, it felt like almost a taboo thing to say. And I've had a legitimate reason for not having kids. I mean, I know, the thing is, I know I don't have to have a re, you know, I could just be a personal choice, but I think I was still feeling like that in my early 30s. Like, I have to have a good reason why I'm not having kids, although it should be a good enough reason if you, you don't feel maternal. And, and I, I suppose one thing that my husband and I, you know, because we talked about it quite a lot, is you realise people who don't have kids have thought a lot more on the whole about it than most women and or, or couples who choose to have children. Cause Absolutely. I, yeah. You do know yeah. couples who end up with kids and they say, actually, I wouldn't. I mean, it's really sad, but some of them will say, if I had time again, I wouldn't have had my children much as I love them. Yeah. I would have been, I would have had not had kids at all. Um, and that's a whole other thing, isn't it? But um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's making an informed choice, isn't it? But like you say, I think a lot of women don't realise they have a choice. Yeah, no, it's it's they don't, they don't. And the funny thing is, we, I mean, this is something that also doesn't get said a lot. You know what you just mentioned, and it is that people who have kids. I'm not saying everyone, but most people don't even think about it. They don't ponder. They just start popping out babies. You know, and mm. I think that many a big chunk of this population that does that um they are the the lack of education um doesn't help so for example you see in third world countries or developing countries uh, mm-hmm. like mine, uh that people that are uh, on the lower social scale which have a uh, you know smaller income and that they don't have a lot of you know access they don't have access to good education at all they're the ones that usually have the biggest the biggest families Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't really think about it. Like people don't really ponder. They just mindlessly go and say, "Well, you know, this is my next step, right?" So I, I grew up, I got married, now I have to have children. Um, but there are, I don't think, in my opinion, and this is you know coming from the experience I've seen around me from my friends and other people I know, they don't really think about you know what implications is. They don't really sit down and, and make a, a reflection of you know. Let's really think about what this means. Whereas people who decide not to have children, we usually do sit down and have that conversation with ourselves. And then for whatever reason, we decide, you know, this is not what I want. Um, so I think there is uh, a, a lot of, uh, of things that can be done, uh, you know, through education, I think, to just help people make an informed decision, whatever it is. You want to have children, that's fine. But, you know, understand what that implies, understand what that, what the uh, consequences of that is, what it is that you need to assume what your responsibilities are going to be. You know, I have a friend, very close friend of mine, and she, she's married, she has a child. And she said to me, after I told her about my surgery, she, she said to me, you know what, I regret getting, having get married and I regret having a, a child. I love them, but that's not really what I wanted. So she just, yeah. she was forced into that life. Because she just did it mindlessly in a way, just following social convention. Yeah. No, I think, I think unfortunately, it happens far more than people realize or care to admit. And I, I, yeah, it, it is really kind of sad. And I guess, again, it's, it's, gonna, it's probably going to disproportionately affect, affect um, women maybe in the lower socioeconomic status because maybe they feel there are less opportunities available to them as well. I've certainly see that and seen that in the UK. 
you know, I've seen people who say, well, I, I couldn't have gone and studied or done this because I couldn't afford it. So, you know, I thought I'll be a mum. You know, I've had young girl, like teenage girls say that. Um, wow. and, you, and you just think how sad that is, really. Um, you know, maybe they would have chosen to be mothers if they were in their like, late 20s or early 30s, but they're having a, ch- a child at 17, 18. Um, because they think that will give them meaning. I mean, like, there was even one girl said, but it makes me feel seen having having a baby. Um, people talk to me, whereas because of maybe how they feel that they're viewed or maybe how they're treated, they feel that they weren't anybody without the baby, and that was what defined them. But there were even these young women who were kind of saying themselves it wasn't really what they wanted. It's just they're even saying if they'd been born into a different time or a different place, different situation, that they wouldn't have had the child, even though they loved their child. But they're almost children themselves, really, at seventeen. I think um, yeah. that's uh, and yeah, and that's that, that's obviously in, in the UK, and it's a quite you know a, a Western kind of first world country. But um, I, that's what I've seen as a, as a GP. Um, and that that makes me really sad. And I, I suppose that's not even including the the other women, like you, maybe your your friend you talk about, or you know, women who actually were in maybe a good socioeconomic position, but they again they're just following convention and society, and just thinking, well, I suppose the next thing is having a kid. And I mean, I have had some patients say that to me, and they said, well, I had kids just because I didn't really think about not having them. You know, they just that's what they did. Um, so I think you're right. The the education is really important across all levels of society and across all cultures. It's yeah, it's it's a really it's a really big thing. And I think there are women even who've had kids who are saying that there needs to be more focus on the well, the realities I suppose of parenthood and the negative sides of it. Um, you know, there's there's been a campaign in the UK recently about incontinence and how incontinence level increases after childbirth. But how people don't really talk about it, and I ask women about it all the time, and it affects a lot of women. But they're like, "Oh well, I think it's just normal, isn't it?" It's like, "Well, you don't have to put up with it. No, there are things we can do, and no, it's not normal in terms of you. You don't just have to kind of <laughs> get on with things." And people not realizing that that could be linked to obviously childbirth increases your risk of things like incontinence and things. Um, there are lots of women now saying they w- wish they had more information about what childbirth can entail, and you know, I'm not saying this to scare women, but it's not—it's not all. You know, you see these Instagram pictures of everything looking perfect and stuff like that, and that's not the reality. Um, but yeah, it's just about women and people being able to make an informed choice, isn't it? And I think that doesn't happen often enough. And like you say, knowing that there's an alternative and that it can be a very positive alternative. I mean, I think about. The weekends that I've had, um, it's been quite a rare weekend because I'm normally kind of super busy dashing around doing tons of stuff. But it's been quite a nice weekend for, for me and my husband. And we've both gone out and done our respective sports and stuff. He's really keen into his cycling. So he went off for um, a few hours yesterday morning and he's been off again today. I went out for a run. I met my mum for a, a walk and um, went for tea and cake yesterday morning. But obviously, if we'd had kids with us it, we, it wouldn't have if yeah I don't know we'd have had to plan it much more rigorously it was a bit more like let's wake up and see what we feel like doing today so I think the, the spontaneity to be honest we're not the most spontaneous people but the, with the we have that ability far more than I think if we had had children um and I see a lot of my friends who struggle to fit and say exercise into their life because everything outside of work is around childcare and putting the children first obviously you know I guess a lot of them need to. A lot of women don't put their own needs first. And I see a lot of women who are struggling with that. So, yeah. 
No, you're absolutely right. And on that note, what is the things that you like the most about being child-free? I suppose it is the the freedom that it brings. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I generally have quite a hectic life, but and I suppose my life would be hectic in a different way if I had kids. But I'm hectic doing things that I want to do. Like I, I don't know. I mean, so I I enjoy running and cycling and all of that kind of stuff, and that the freedom to go and do that and not have to worry about childcare. Um, I, I can go out and meet friends in the evening. We'll go to the cinema and not not worry about you know, babysitting and things like that. If I wanted to, we, you know, we could just up and go traveling. If you want. I mean, it would be difficult in terms of the work point of view, but I, I just think it's the freedom that really comes with it and that we can have, you know, live the life that we kind of choose. You know, my husband and I develop our own interests and yeah, I, I, I think freedom's the main thing, really. Uh, I think I've just, I have seen the impact of having children on a lot of, you know, friends, family, but also patients and where it's caused quite a lot of difficulty and stress. And that, to be honest, I'm already quite a stressy person. And I, I, I probably doesn't, yeah, it wouldn't have helped me if I'd had another little person to worry about. Um, so I, it gives me the, t- the time to kind of work on myself. Um, I, I, so I spent so many years feeling quite unwell, and that really knocked my self-confidence and my self-esteem. And I'm probably having time now to dedicate to kind of working on that, which is something I've needed to do. Um, if I had a kid, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, and a lot of the women I end up seeing in clinic are only really getting to that stage of life, maybe in their late 40s, early 50s, which is another 10 years away or, so, or more from me. Um, so I in some ways feel I've kind of had a head start on certain things. <laughs> yes. No, I understand where you're coming from. And now that you mentioned, you know, how uh your um health issues had mined away from your self-esteem and and now you've actually been working on yourself because you find you have the time and also the will Mm. what are are the kind of things that you do that help you uh strengthen your self-esteem and your self-confidence uh well exercise is one of the main things i think because when i was unwell and in pain i i struggled to keep fit because i just physically couldn't do a lot of the stuff i wanted to do um I'm able to connect like on an academic level I'm really uh, I don't know I get quite involved with stuff to be honest but um I'm able to go to kind of like conferences and I'm able to spend time researching things that interest me um, and connect with like-minded people in a way that I probably wouldn't if I had had children at home and things like that and so that that's that's helping me I think with my self-esteem because I'm I don't know I, just the connections I'm kind of able to make and I, I feel that hopefully I'm making a difference with some of the work I'm doing um, and that I can I've turned my negative experience into I think a bit more of a positive experience even if it is just getting women talking I'm trying not to beat myself up so much I've I have had therapy in the past um but I realized a lot of my emotions were ruled by my hormonal changes which is partly why I ended up having the, the surgery anyway um and I've been relearning a lot of things and, and trying not to be so anxious about life <laughs> um in in kind of a positive way things like yoga have really helped I've also done some coaching um uh, yeah there's, there's a variety of things really and actually thinking about what do I really want to do I think I've had most of my life I've always thought about what I should be doing um, and I suppose now I'm trying to think about what do I what do I want to be doing. So that's that's kind of all helping. And I think the, definitely the coaching program that I've done has, has has been really helpful for that as well. Um, 
and reframing things uh, in terms of I often feel like I've not got enough time to do things, but it's more about prioritising what I do want to do. And I think that's given me back a sense of control. And um, yeah, I think that's all improving my self-esteem as well, really. Yeah, well, all of that sounds really awesome. Um, well, thanks again for your time, Hannah. It's been a pleasure having you here. Before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to add to your interview? I don't I don't think so. Um, I'm not even sure if I've managed to articulate everything as I would have liked, but I think I just want to thank you for kind of having me on. I Like I say, I think you're doing a fantastic thing with the podcast. And I, I suppose if for women listening, if they end up being kind of child-free by circumstance, know that there that definitely can be a positive outcome. And we don't need to be ashamed of that or we uh, and we don't need to kind of have to apologize for ourselves or explain ourselves all the time um because I always felt well I don't have kids because of this and that and it's like I I I feel now I'm a bit more empowered to say no we don't have children and actually don't actually have to follow that up with anything I think before I was almost apologetic about the fact I didn't have kids or trying to explain explain why I didn't and actually I just think actually no do you know what it's my business it's my story um and actually, there's, we don't have to. We, we, we are who we are and we're just as, as valid and as valuable as women who do choose to have children or can have children. So, Absolutely. Well, thanks again for your time, Hannah. And uh, it's uh, really been a pleasure having you here. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the Cape community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire. <laughs>